Welcome to Hope from the Front Lines. Each week, we peek beyond the headlines, finding stories of struggle, passion, and strength from essential caregivers of color doing the heavy lift, protecting Chicago's most vulnerable during this COVID-19 pandemic. In all relationships, good communication can be the difference between success and failure. In a nursing home during a pandemic, it can mean the difference between life and death. I'm Maurice Basalen with a failure to communicate. So just a few more minutes and we about to do what we got to do with who we got. They scaring people. They ain't offering no money, no extra, no nothing. Everybody got family, people got take care of their mom, their dad, their auntie, their grannies. So what we supposed to do? Like, come on, let's go. Y'all need to share this. Well, I got to find out from the news that a resident from our facility died. That's Tanika Somerville, a certified nursing assistant at the Bridgeview Health Center's long-term care facility. What you're hearing is a Facebook Live recording of her and eight co-workers preparing to march on the boss. They're demanding changes to how the facility operates during the COVID-19 pandemic. It's March 31st, and in a little more than three months, according to USA Today, 40,000 nursing home residents will be dead from the COVID-19 virus. It will be the hardest hit sector in America. At first glance, the reasons are obvious. Weakened immune systems, underlying health issues, cramped living conditions, and a slow response to the pandemic. But workers at Bridgeview were quick to identify one less obvious reason, a lack of transparency by leadership about how and where the virus spreads. We are here to drop off these petitions and more will come. We are letting you know that we are fired up and we are fed up. Yeah. Tanika and her co-workers believe they have reason to be fed up. The center has left them in the dark about serious health matters, placing staff and residents in danger. They had just learned that one of the residents had died from COVID-related complications. The news came through social media and not from management. It's why they marched on the boss with a petition demanding change. We had just found out 20 minutes before we actually did the petition. So we was like, let's just go live. You know, there's no residents down here. We're not invading anyone's privacy. Let's do it. And that's what promoted us to do it because we found out through social media. Their demands, hazard pay, additional sick leave for staff who contract the virus, more and better PPE, and transparency regarding the spread of the virus. Two days after the March on the Boss, staff learned the name of the patient who died, Samuel Williams. Again, word came from the media. It spread fast. Just so happened when I worked Tuesday night, that was the last day that I worked with that particular resident. So now everybody is like, I'll work with him too. So I'm like, well, did they tell you? And did they tell you? So we all asking around. So now we asking nurses, like, did you guys know? Like, you know, so it was a, a big commotion, a big thing. Tanika says the march on the boss achieved little. Lines of communication did not improve. When a resident showed symptoms of COVID, Management promised he would be tested. Staff waited for days to hear the results, but nothing came. They allow us to work with that resident and didn't let us know, which means that we worked with him as if it was a, a regular day. No mask, no gargles, no protecting equipment, just your basic gloves when you go in there to do his care. 
In the end, it turned out the test results would never be coming. They never actually tested him. So the whole time they was lying to us. Thankfully, there are many Chicago area nursing homes taking a far safer approach to resident and staff safety. Forestine Pressy has worked in nursing homes for 49 years. She knows a thing or two about how they should be run. She says Sheridan Village Nursing and Rehabilitation Center is doing things properly to keep everyone healthy, including acting quickly when a resident shows symptoms of COVID-19. When they get sick, they send them out to the hospital, number one. They send them out to the hospital, and once they've been diagnosed and been in the hospital for a while, they come back to our facility, then they have uh, made um, a, a floor a designated floor for them to come back to, to recuperate on. And they stay down there until they test negative. If a staff member comes down with the virus, they are sent home to recuperate and given 40 hours of sick leave. The facility has chosen to give staff an extra $2 an hour in hazard pay. Personal protective equipment is in constant demand at nursing homes. The Illinois Department of Public Health supplies a limited amount. At some facilities, workers are forced to buy their own. Sheridan Village supplies additional PPE if it's needed. As staff ward, it's Forestine who sees to it. I do all the ordering, all the PPE, and uh, I uh, make sure that we have everything that uh, we need. And if I can't get it, I go to the administrator and I tell her that we have over our allocation from this supplier and she will you know, give me another number to call and get what we need. Staff and residents wear masks, leaving everyone feeling safer. They trust us to take care of them. And all of us are in the same boat, wearing the mask. Wherever we go, they feel safer. At Bridgeview, named for the southwest Chicago suburb it's in, Tanika Somerville had to learn to live with fear. The busy mother of eight was concerned about potentially spreading the virus. I was so worried about spreading it because, like I say, um, I'm a sports mom, team mom, soccer mom. So, you know, I was going to games when games were still going. You know, I'm, 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 in, I'm indoors in games. I'm in hotel rooms because we're on the road, you know. I'm, I'm in different stores, right? I'm around other people's kids. I'm going to my kids' school for ceremonies and uh, plays and stuff. So, you know, I'm interacting with my family. I got a grandbaby, a newborn. It was a newborn grandbaby. It was a few months old. Uh, so it was like a, a huge deal. Tanika, a self-described whistleblower, says she paid the price for speaking up. Call me a whistleblower. I don't care. But the families need to know what's going on in these nice homes. That's Tanika in another Facebook Live recording. Make a long story short, I got fired today. In the video, she stares directly into the camera with tears streaming down her face. She was fired two days after presenting management with the petition. Tanika says management claimed that her march on the boss was a breach of contract. They said I was disrespectful, discourteous, discourteous to the supervisors and managers. But Tanika thinks they had other motives. This was the time for them to, you know, find a way to let me go for causing so much trouble in the building. In a press release, Bridgeview said they do not get into specifics about terminated personnel. 
In the same release, the center says early struggles were related to a lack of available testing. With more testing now available, they stated they are notifying families under the recommended IDPH guidelines. We reached out to Bridgeview, but received no response. The efforts of workers at Bridgeview did seem to have some effect. The claims of mismanagement there and at other Chicago nursing homes received quite a bit of news coverage and may have influenced the state's response. The family of 84-year-old Army veteran Gerald Francis says Symphony of Joliet kept them in the dark, too. Bernie. But she says the nursing home didn't communicate with her about the severity the outbreak. of it. The Cook County Health Department sent an investigator to educate both staff and management. As of early June, the Illinois Department of Public Health requires nursing homes to post the number of new infections and COVID-related deaths online. Additionally, all staff and residents must be tested for COVID-19 four times a month. Here's Forestine Pressy about how testing is handled at Sheridan Village. When we start our shift, they take my temperature, and then we go through, I got any symptoms of anything. I have to circle yes or no, and I don't have no symptoms, then, you know, I start, I punch you. In comparing both facilities' level of transparency, there is one stark measure of success. As of August, Bridgeview had 63 cases of COVID and 18 deaths. Despite being nearly 31% larger, Sheridan Village had 18 fewer infections and two less deaths. Tanika and Forestine have a combined 70 years of experience caring for society's most vulnerable. There have been many struggles over the years for workers' rights and for the safety of residents. Now, they face the most daunting crisis of their lives. I'm concerned about my residents. You see them every day, and they grow on you. You, you. you look forward to seeing them. When they hurt, you hurt. You know, you do things as if they was your grandma, your granddad, or, you know, one of your uncles or cousins, you know. Somebody reminds you of someone <laughs> at some point. And again, they, they become family. You can follow them when they when they sad, you know, too. And, you know, we're the ones that, that does it for them on a daily basis. So. I'm Maurice Basalen with Hope from the Frontlines. Thank you for joining Hope from the Frontlines. Our series is produced by Juneteenth Productions with funding support from the McCormick Foundation. Join us next week for another story of struggle, passion, and strength from essential caregivers of color protecting Chicago's most vulnerable during this COVID-19 pandemic. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are available. Do you have a story to share? Join us in the ongoing conversation on our Facebook page, Hope from the Frontlines.